0: Coffee breath. Why do you breathe on me with coffee breath? This is a plea you can't ignore. I can't take it anymore. When you breathe on me with coffee breath. When you breathe on me with coffee
1: breath. When you breathe on me with coffee Welcome to the Halloween episode of The Exchange, presented by Olam Specialty Coffee and hosted by Mark Inman and Todd Mackey. I'm Mike Ferguson. This is the last regular episode of Season 1 of our podcast. But never fear, we're going to stick around and haunt the place during our break. With special editions of The Exchange, we're calling Extra Shots. We'll be back with the premiere episode of Season 2 on May 13th, 2019. In this season's closer, Episode 10, Mark and Todd talk about scary defects because well halloween and now here they are mark and todd
2: welcome to the exchange presented by olam specialty coffee i am your host mark inman and of course as always here with my co-host todd mackie Out in Providence, Rhode Island, Todd, how are you?
0: I am doing well, Mark. It is uh, wonderful to join you yet again. Uh, A special Mm. episode that we get to uh, celebrate with. Our scary defect episode. in uh, Scary defects. Leave now while you still can. Yeah, in celebration of uh, Halloween. And what is officially our last uh, episode of the 2018 debut season of The Exchange. So congratulations, we made it. Uh, we, we didn't get canceled. It.
2: No, we didn't. And <laughs> and uh I hope it's not like uh arrested development where we get a half season next year. I hope we get to do a full 2019 season. I hopefully the uh listeners are appreciating what we're doing here and enjoying it uh for the ride that it is.
0: Yeah, I mean to to get things started, I uh I understand you've you've uh, already uh tasted a few interesting things this evening. Yeah. Uh, but right. what's in your glass now? So I right after work, I'm actually recording here live
2: from the office. Uh, so I ran down after work and went wine tasting, and then grabbed something to bring back up here. And I was at Idlewild, which is a really great winery here in Healdsburg, and started with their Arnace from Fox Hill uh, Winery, and that's really you know like a bright, crisp, yellow peaches you know, honey, almond kind of thing to warm up and then got a bottle of the Fox Hill Vineyard Barbera, which I have here at the uh, table, which is definitely uh, like uh, fig and raspberry and sage and balsamic vinegar and violet. It's like a really great nighttime wine. It's getting a little crisp out there. Uh, So it's a nice little companion for tonight's spooky uh, or scary defect night, which I actually am going to throw a little curveball
0: at you tonight on this one, Todd, and I hope you're prepared for it. I, I certainly cannot wait. Um, it's interesting, you know, I took this a different direction and uh, and I knew that this would be uh, something that would, would certainly uh, turn your stomach a bit um, in terms of what I'm drinking tonight. I brought out a heavy hitter Uh, from providence just the most quintessentially regional beer that's out here i mean it is the natty bow to uh, baltimore it is the 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 pibber to milwaukee um i am drinking a narragansett lager and i'll tell you why mark if you're interested yes i assume i assume you are so uh you know of course Halloween episode uh there is a neighborhood that my my family and I would uh go trick or treating in uh, take the kids out for a spin and this one house year on year uh always while you know just filling the kids um uh, you know bags full of candy would invariably have a cooler full of Narragansett Lager it is entirely forgettable in taste profile it is a beer to hold above your head and and uh, stage dive with at a show. It's uh, you know just good times in a can. So that's what I have going tonight.
2: So if I understand your story correct, the children had an option of the candy or the cooler of beer. Is that no? This was happening? the it was the adult oh, treat. Um,
0: Did I not explain?
2: Oh, that okay. Clear? I didn't catch that part. I just well, that, I mean, you, you know, have the children been... had
0: an option. <laughs> you have been out uh wine tasting for for what sounds like that's a, a true bit of a clip. that's true okay well let's okay. uh let's get into this yes. uh this ultimate episode for the two thousand and eighteen season scary defects and yes. uh, i'm gonna let you take it away
2: okay good this is this is my favorite part, so what I have done tonight because This is our Halloween episode, and of course, everybody uh, is curious about defects in coffee that are in coffee. Some people have never tasted all of them, so we're going to cover those tonight, but I also wanted to tie every scary defect to a famous scary movie that's relevant to that defect. So I'm going to call out the defect and my pick for the movie. Now, these aren't all winners, and I'm ready to be corrected if you have a better one. I'm going to give you my movie that is the equivalent of this defect, and then we'll have either you or me explain the defect, or what it tastes like, or what's our experience with it. Okay? Wow. Okay. Yeah. You no. It? Let's All do right. it. All right. All right. So I'm going to start <laughs> at the top. The 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 first one is moldy or damp, and I have t- I've tied that to Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm. famous movie uh, in the 50s, I believe. Um, (laughs) Kind of a moldy, damp little creature. Uh, Todd, what's your experience with moldy and damp? I mean, obviously mold, everyone knows that flavor, but how would you describe that to a layperson?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting because mold, you know, certainly manifests as a, a physical defect. I mean, it's quite obvious when you crack a a bag open and uh you know there's a, a mold pocket it's it's you know it's a surface uh condition on the bean uh you know and it most typically uh present as like a powdery mildewy type of uh you know white uh material that's um you know certainly not going to be localized to one bean um you know but is not something that's scheduled uh in the SCA Uh, defect handbook, interestingly, but is something that if you run into uh, it, it, you know, is one of the most intense uh, cup defects potentially. Um, But yeah, I mean, it is it is a detestable flavor in the cup. I mean, completely foreign um, and certainly capable of ruining uh, an entire batch, um, you know, of coffee. I mean, it's for sure. tastes like uh, you know what you smell in a basement when um, you know it's been sitting with a few inches of water for a few months. I mean, that's really my experience. Uh, and I think your your tie to you know creature uh, from Black Lagoon is is absolutely perfect. And I'm I'm seeing the the you know movie poster in my mind and just imagining uh, you know a, a green bean coming out of the, the swamp. Um, so well done right. there. <laughs>
1: Yeah,
2: I, uh, I the moldy, damp one is a, is probably one of the worst ones for me. I just that flavor is it just throws my palate. Um, it can be corrected. You can actually with the UV um, uh, sorter uh, get rid of this if this is an issue. So this is a scary defect that you can be saved from. So I'm going to put that in the saved from column. You can save your coffee on this one if you run into this defect.
0: Yeah, and and you mean to suggest that by separation, uh, you know, certainly by separation, by the, by the bag,
2: identification. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. The next one on the list is the chemical defect. Uh, this one, I'm tying to the movie Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. <laughs> if you were to actually consume this, who knows what will happen to you? But under normal circumstances, a chemical defect can be a subtle uh, chemical defect, and it has that sort of artificial chemical. Um, you, you know, cleaning product uh, smell and flavor. Uh, unfortunately, this is not one that you can separate as far as I know. There's no visual way to see it and there's no way to remove it. So this one, if you happen to come across it in your coffee, you're pretty much uh, out of luck. Yeah, no, it's
0: interesting. I mean, they, uh, it certainly is not a, a visual, uh, one that presents an obvious visual characteristic that you can you know, make a judgment call based on, um, uh, at least, you know, across, uh, how it presents in the cup. Most of these experiences I would attribute to storage in either, um, a, a, a tainted container or in close proximity to other odorous chemicals. And, you know, coffee is hygroscopic, so it does absorb odors, uh, and, uh, uh, put, you know, can, uh, show them in fragrances and aromas. So, you know, this would be one of those that by and large is, is going to be the result of coffee in its transportation, uh, much like, yes. uh, you know, rubber might, uh, right. come up. Um, not sure if that's on your list. And, oh, yes. you know, if I'm, if it's a yes. spoiler, I mean, maybe that's a natural transition. No,
2: let's, no, let's only if you that. picked a movie that went along with it, would it be a spoiler? So, oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll let you go ahead. <laughs> okay number 3 on my list tonight is musty and dusty and i picked the mummy as the movie uh being from the musty and dusty pyramids where he comes out of the sarcophagus um this this can happen you know in a, in a lot of ways musty is almost like a kin or a cousin to moldy as far as the the, the taste or the flavor, but the dusty part can come from storage you know in in dirt, basically fine dirt getting in there and and poor processing and poor preparation of the coffee,
0: sure, yeah, I mean one of the greatest backups for grain pro or ecotax, some sort of hermetic uh you know bag liner is uh, this type of defect or chemically or rubber you know these these uh essentially absorption type defects um because you know bear in mind. As a buyer, that uh, you know, coffee is a product that's coming into close contact with a lot of other things, and it takes quite a bit of intentionality and effort to you know keep it truly separate. But um, you know, these things can uh, can even sneak in mid-process. You know, after a coffee's been approved on a pre-ship sample, and uh, you know, it's vital to to you know have a really systematized approach and a very objective approach to where, you know, when it does come time to to sort of make a claim, uh, you know, it's not a maybe and it's certainly not uh, you know, just a just a feeling when it, when something like this comes up.
2: But I don't think I think you could roast your way around a lot of this if you do get it. The next one, uh, normally ferment is a defect that comes up, but I'm taking it into the baby diaper ferment direction because it's such a unique flavor that does come up or aroma. And the movie there is Rosemary's baby.
0: baby. Um,
2: that was the best I could come up with. I had some other ideas, but that was the one that stuck out for me. So Rosemary's Baby and Baby Diaper ferment. Uh Todd, you wanna to tell us what your experience with that particular defect
0: is? Baby diaper ferment. That's the technical term you're well, here? Yeah. Um <laughs> Well, I, I'm I'm at a bit of a loss, Mark, because Rosemary's Baby is not a reference for me, and I'm sure that you're excited by that. Well,
2: no, it, it, yeah, um, right. It's just that it has baby in the title, uh, and it was a possessed ch- baby. I think it came out in '71 <laughs> or maybe '68, so it was way before your time. Um, got it, got it. Okay. That makes better sense. But the ferment, that particular ferment, that's not a a one you come across much.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I do think I tend to describe this a little different. I mean, you know, to me, the ferment that comes up with more regularity, which, you know, is, I wouldn't necessarily say is, uh, is to everyone a scary defect, but it, you know, it's one of those that to some cuppers, the threshold is much, much nearer and to others it's much more loose and, and further. Um, but to me, it, 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 I, I, the only way I can describe this is like someone took some, you know, funky gym socks, soaked them in fruit punch and left them to dry in the sunshine. Um, and you know, you get that kind of really, uh, just, uh, rotten type of, you know, fringe to the aftertaste of a coffee that is otherwise just, you know, very fruity and pulpy, Um, Anyone who's traveled at origin, you know, knows that quintessential smell uh, of a washing station, wet mill, you know, where uh, pulp and cherry is uh, just outpiled, um, you know, uh, left to to dry and to to rot. And, you know, to me, that's once you've smelled that, then then this becomes immediately attached uh, to, you know, when this over fermentation is over the line. Um, but you know you can see this uh, in you know two different physical defects that that can they don't always present this way but they can present this way and that's uh, you know the black uh, bean defect mm-hmm. and the the sour bean defect right. uh, black being exactly as described you know just a pitch dark uh, you know physical manifestation where you know the pigment uh, is you know is fermented uh, on top of, you know, all of these different chemical reactions that have gone on in the bean, often from, you know, coffees that have gone overripe and been picked from the ground. Uh, so, you know, something that happens there, um, you know, the sour defect being more a result of of actual over-fermentation or a slow uh, approach to, you know, or slow approach to processing between harvest and process, Right. right? Um, where you know quite literally you know coffee's fermenting if we don't you know uh, depulp and and get into a controlled fermentation within six to eight or six to ten hours um, these types of things can happen so there are some physical characteristics that you can pull sure. them out by but i i run into this without a doubt the most when cupping uh you know experimental processes um and you know in origins that don't traditionally execute well on full natural coffees um, this tends to come up and and again it's coffees that i would uh you know score sort of uh in a light-hearted way as an 87 cup over a 78 because it's that polarizing mm-hmm. um you know where half a half or you know a, a fair portion of cuppers are going to reward the the fruitiness and the funkiness and how different the coffee is you know, and then uh, there's uh, an even greater percentage uh, of us who would would really punish the coffee for being uh, really uh, baby diapery. Yeah, I guess I'll call it from here on out. Um, but but yeah, where do you see this? I mean, is that lining up for you, or are you finding this in in other cases?
2: Yeah, sometimes the the baby diaper specific defect for me is beyond the rotten fruit flavor, but starts to smell like somebody left of extremely soiled diaper out on a counter it just has this smell that's when it goes too far and it's uh, when you come across it on a cupping table it is a rough one the next one is petroleum defect and can you guess what i'm using for my reference on the petroleum defect todd this is way before your time this is going back in the
0: Wayback machine <laughs> Mark, I, I mean, you're you're geared to shame me over and over again in this episode. but i would I would beg to uh, imagine that our our listenership is probably more aligned with me than you, Mark. Uh-huh. So beware! Don't don't put me so far. Well, the I'm giving them. No I'm idea. basically
2: giving them a Netflix <laughs> queue for this next week. So if they are paying attention, they are loading their queue up on Netflix.
0: Yeah, that's the real value here.
2: So the petroleum defect is Vincent Price's famous movie House of Wax. Is what I okay. is my uh, uh, comparison there. Well, who's next? Uh, that's a, a one that I'm sure all you kids are aware of. That that famous movie, very
0: spooky. Um, it's genius. That's well done. Yeah. my hat is tipped. For Thank sure. you. I,
2: I, I felt good about that one. <laughs> uh, petroleum to me is as it 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 sounds. It's a fuel type defect. I, where I think this, you know, you get this more times than not is uh people who use substandard jute bags that they use diesel as a fixative to fix the fibers that are non-food grade and that has happened before in fact uh came across a series I was in Japan a series of containers that were turned away because of you know testing positive for this on the on the jute itself and so in in non-food grade jute they'll they'll fix the fibers with uh, diesel fuel and that and that will come through Um, I'm not quite sure where else this defect comes from other than the jute. It's always been a mystery to me. And I don't think people are just willy nilly spilling fuel on, um, green coffee, but, but that's to me where I've come across it the most.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, as described for sure. I mean, to me, the, the, the only thing to add with petroleum as it presents itself in the cup is. Is that often it's it's like an aromatic uh, quality, and it it's less, uh, let's say, a, a taste on the tongue, and more something that you get in aspirating the coffee, right. slurping the coffee, right. or you know something that you pick up more significantly. <clears throat> excuse me, in the aftertaste, um, you know something that uh, a lot of people, uh, truthfully, in in a lot of the courses on defect cupping that I've run over the years you know good examples and very assertive present examples of petroleum can go unnoticed it's it's sure one of those that you know it's really uh, questionable and off-putting especially as a coffee cools and especially when it's a, a strong example um but it's also not as uh immediately you know uh, stomach turning as uh baby diaper or mold right, you know something right. that that everybody has an attachment to, though. Um, yeah, I mean, the only other places I've run into it in terms of, uh, you know, circumstances, you know, uh, coffees that have um, some sort of, you know, fossil fuel-y, petroleum-y right. uh, kind of aromatic uh, that have been rail-transferred in unsealed oh, containers. Um, you know, just down, down draft of, uh, you know, we can assume of, uh, you know, like a, an engine, but you know, there and, and, you know, I assume, uh, you know, just in being in yards and in transfers with other, you know, raw materials, um, you know, it's so important to have sealed containers and to have, uh, coffee, you know, well separated, uh, in its shipping. I mean, this is something that can certainly come up, uh, if it's given the chance to, uh, to sit nearby. So, uh, the next one I have actually,
2: I'm using the new SCAA, uh, cupper's wheel not the old one so the old one had like wet wool and uh horsey and some of these defects now it's called animalic, which is you know all-encompassing and my uh, movie equivalent is the werewolf in london well it's a marvelous night for a moon dance uh, for that one i would imagine this really unkempt smelly <laughs> animal um but with very very kind of uh you know
0: feral kind of hair smell yeah no the this, this is not something that I have identified uh with any frequency um though the 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 note that was used in in the old uh taster's wheel that I find really resonates uh by description for me is Heidi, yeah, you know, that kind similar, of, you know, really leathery and almost you know there's obvious notes of uh you know cooked beef in that similar, uh, Maillard type reactions in the roasting process for coffee are the same things that are creating browning compounds and flavoring compounds in, in, you know, cooking, uh, beef or other proteins, right. You know, uh, reduction of sugar in combination with protein, you know, essentially creates this type of, uh, taste and aromatic sensation, but, um, but it could just be, you know, a certain combination with that and, and almost a saltiness, um, but but again, I, you know, I I would imagine this is uh, more quintessential to you know some of the you know organic compounds in the coffee right, and their combination right. and its character. Where I've tasted this with with any sort of uh, regularity is you know in wet hold coffees, right? Uh, in, you know, Indonesian coffees that that already have a, a real pronounced and significant earthiness. Um, but where process really uh, can allow sometimes for this uh negative trait to build uh and and kind of take over um you know where maybe up to a point uh you know a certain uh cooked beef characteristic could be pleasant um, right. this would be you know over the top like hey here's there's an animal in the cup what's going on
2: yeah, I get kind of like a goaty, you know, goat, that smell of uh, petting a goat. Gamey. Yeah, type gamey. Type but I, I think you can roast a lot of that out. Uh, I, I think that that's sure. something that if you are uh, really adept with your roaster, you can work your way through that one. But this one comes up in wine quite a bit. This is a very common uh, defect there. But I don't think it's as common in coffee. So maybe not as scary as the werewolf
0: in London. But pretty terrifying nevertheless. A, a good connection to draw Either way, you know I'm I'm impressed. I mean, you are a uh, a force of uh, you know intergenerational popular culture. Mark, I know (laughs) you know, but I mean, just just for the listener to make sure that that's not uh, understated in this time is is crucial. Please carry on.
2: Okay, so you you mentioned salty earlier, and that's the next one. And this one's going to cause our listeners to have to race to Google to find this obscure reference I'm about to give you. But one of the most terrifying. Movies, it was a series too, they did. Uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker is the movie, and um, I'm sure Mike Ferguson knows what I'm talking about here, but there's a scene where uh, his, his, Darren something was the actor. He was the actor that played the father in the Christmas story and he's a reporter, and he's investigating, you know, it's basically Pre-X-Files series, and it was on zombies, and he had to uh, stop a zombie in its tracks. They slept uh, until the moon came up, and he was in a junkyard, and the zombie was in a backseat of a car in a junkyard at some weird angle, and he had to climb in the car and fill the mouth, of the zombie was salt and then sew his lips up and mid sewing it, the zombies eyes open because the, uh, Kolchak could not see the moon rising in the background and the thing, uh, tried to kill him. So that's an obscure salty reference, but (laughs) salty. Nevertheless, that is uh, a
0: horrifying image.
2: That's a, that's a, that's a deep dig on my part. I remember as a child, this thing scared the crap out of me watching that one. So, um, if you can get your hands on <laughs> Kolchak the Night Stalker, boy, go see that episode, I'll tell you. Oh, <laughs> and, man. And I see you know, Mike's po- posting here. Kolchak, I love that show, so he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Salty, That this one to me is much more pronounced in espresso. That's where I really can taste it. Sure, Um, sure. In cupping, it does happen, but it—I don't—it—I have not had a lot of experience with a lot of salty cupping coffees, but espresso, boy, I've had a lot of those.
0: Yeah, no, I—I mean, beyond just saying salty, you know, and and saying, well, Mark Inman like right, just a salty, salty dog. Um, Just kidding, but the oh no, uh... Uh, yeah, that's (laughs) fitting. uh no the uh i could not agree more i feel like especially uh and i don't see it as much now with the preparation trends and and where uh you know uh, specialty roasters and and cafes are have taken espresso extraction targets and and general like cup expectations um you know it's we've seemed to steered away but but maybe 7 to 10 years ago In the absolute heyday of the triple ristretto, you know, an espresso so short that you could just kind of like, you know, like scrape the bottom of the demitasse with your pinky and get get the entire beverage and just kind of give it a lick. Um, You know, that that like, uh, you know, Brazil natural profile, hyper under extracted and super dense uh, and concentrated, you know, had this taste of pretzels. Right. And and ultimately, it was salty and, and uh, just gave you gut rot, you know, in this really bad way. But, but yeah, I think, you know, salty comes up, um, you know, more as an element of taste balance uh, on the cupping table mm-hmm. and in filter brewed coffee. Um, you know, I don't think it comes up as really uh, what I would call a, a scary defect. It's just more uh, like an element of taste balance, um, you know, more so. But And not as...
2: Frightening, but a uh, it's a weird one. It's a, a one that definitely makes a coffee taste uh, unpleasant to me.
0: Yeah, certainly can be.
2: The next one is rubber, and this one I'm going for the movie Halloween, which uh, Mike Myers wore the rubber mask in that one. It has that um, if you've ever changed a bicycle tire and you've done the inner tube and you've accidentally licked your fingers after cha- you know putting in an inner tube, that that flavor is what comes through. and it's uh, not in the petroleum fuel side, it's definitely in the rubber tire of uh, of a petroleum product. I mean, it is an awful. A defect to me, one of my worst. Um, not as common in, in high-end specialty coffees. You don't see this one that often, but
0: in some kind of commercial or blender grades, boy, this one comes up quite a bit. Yeah, no, I mean, I think when you're value engineering coffees, you know, to get a, a real good balance in your your cost to to cup profile, you know, that's where this kind of thing is going to pop up. And I tend to, to visualize this as, as pink, as undyed, oh. untreated, uncured rubber. Um, you know, I've found it to be that sort of raw rubber flavor, you know, um, if you ever, you know, kind of been to a rubber plantation or, you know, uh, seen or smelled, uh, you know, rubber tree, that kind of thing, um, you know, that really... Uh, always kind of embodies, you know, what I'm seeing when I'm tasting it. But I but I agree, I, you know, the, the thing I think people uh, get confused about with this, and it certainly carries, you know, as it relates to the Q or the Linnae uh, du Café uh, scent kit, uh, aroma kit. Right, right. Um, you know, a lot of people are looking for that, like, you know, a car tire type rubber or a burnt rubber, um, you know, and I think it shows in a much more... Um, uh, dare I say, sweet type of way, you know, where it's it's really uh, sort of chemically and foreign and not uh, organic or, or coffee-like, but it's also not, um, you know, it's not that really foreign uh, type of uh, caustic type of smell, um, which makes it tough for some people. I, I've definitely crossed paths with a fair number of cuppers that are you know, until this is at a very high intensity, um, they are they are sort of like rubber blind, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And then the final one
2: today, uh, tonight, on the uh, spooky uh, defects hour is Potato. And this one, to me, seems like a defect it just popped up in the past eight years. I don't remember coming across this one before. Uh, and the movie reference is Peeled. The Potato Resurrection. This is
1: Mike, and I got nothing here.
2: 2016 film that Hello Giggles uh, (laughs) online rated it as surprisingly terrifying. So um, if you go by Hello Giggles, the website, and read the review on it, you could find it, or you can go on YouTube and pull up Peeled, The Potato Resurrection. Uh, Todd, potato defect, uh, there has been a lot of... Uh, conflicting advice over the past 10 years as to where this comes from and how it it derives um but this is uh so far the the biggest preponderance of potato defect you get is in Rwanda Burundi DR Congo um and the the taste is uh, basically like a rotten potato and you could actually smell this in the green form I mean, we've had the the DHL delivery person walk in, and you could smell the box, you know, from across the room. It is sure. a potent one. There was a lot of mystery as to what was causing this, and and early on, it was get a lot of airflow through the farm and uh you know keep the the organic matter off the ground and and don't get moisture developing the belief also was that it was a a fungus but now they're saying it's an enzymatic uh issue here so it's it is a strong one and I do know I was a part of a little uh trial that um Zeltron was doing where they were creating a UV sorter that was able to identify this. If you take UV light, you could see the potato defect and remove it. Um, And they've made a system to do that. But probably six years ago, the belief was if you had it in the coffee, the coffee was useless and and not to be salvaged.
0: And it actually can be fixed and cleaned up. Yeah. No, I think the use of black light is, even in, in less formalized ways, is becoming a much more popular Yeah. Uh, you know, physical analysis that, uh, that a lot of roasters are, you know, either traveling with a small pocket blacklight or, you know, looking at samples that way to see inconsistencies to pick up on otherwise, uh, you know, less visible, uh, you know, molds or surface inconsistencies. Um, You know, it's interesting, potato, not, you know, for obviously because the taste is just so absolutely undeniable but, you know, it, it has also affected coffees that have come onto the scene in such a, a you know, an exciting way. Uh, coffees from Rwanda, Burundi, DRC, you know, some of the coolest and most endearing uh, flavor profiles in coffees, you know, happen side by side with this, you know, incidence of the potato defect. I think it's one of the the scary defects that is probably most understood and experienced by the the widest, uh, you know, group of people um, all the way through to specialty retail. You know, I I think of uh, the last time SCA had the show in Boston and I was volunteering, um, you know, preparing uh, coffee for, uh, you know, at the various bars at Symposium. And, you know, this event being in the beginning of April I think you know eight out of the ten or nine out of the ten roasters who you know submitted their coffees, their best and brightest, submitted you know or uh, a fantastic Rwanda coffee or you know something from this area, right? You know, and right. and we were you know uh, making this coffee by Chemex and other methods, all by the cup or by the you know the very small batch, and you know we were having to to smell every uh, coffee batch that was ground before we made um with a high incidence um you know so we we were essentially able to prove that you can pull this out even when it's been uh roasted into the coffee that said you know it was uh, uh took a lot of intentionality and time uh and focus but i think that because the coffees are so compelling even though this does come up uh, and because it's it's just looking at the the raw unroasted green it, you know without the aid of any sort of analysis uh, or tool you can't really pick it out just on eye, So, so, you know, I think that it's interesting and compelling. I, I do find unfortunately that more and more roasters are sort of, you know, unwilling to deal with, uh, this as a condition and, um, you know, are sort of disqualifying these, these origins for, uh, coffees that they bring in, uh, or at the very least, you know, they're, they're very cautious and, uh, and you know essentially aren't aren't finding the same uh, capacity in like a just a sustainable way to help their wholesale and uh in retail accounts uh to go out there and and pick it out um that said you know i think it's an area of research a lot of people are very compelled i mean the the coffee markets where this is an issue are uh, are some of the most exciting uh with some of the most um, you know really captivating profiles and you know uh, cup potentials uh, out of anywhere uh, in the in new developing specialty origins so i'm sort of on the edge of my seat uh, if it's not obvious as to uh, see what we can figure out about this because um, you know it breaks my heart i absolutely love uh, rwanda burundi and drc uh, flavor profiles yeah so i guess you know we've talked about some of the scary cup defects i mean obviously some of these Correlate uh, to and uh, you know can be seen physically, and we've mentioned you know the uh, SCA standard for green coffee grading and some of the physical defects uh, that can be pulled out here. Those can be found just for reference for our listeners uh, in the SCA green coffee defect handbook. Um, you know the schedule of classification is there as well, uh, but there's also you know fantastic resources via Green Coffee Association GCA. Um, you know, where you're seeing, uh, you know, essentially uh, origin to origin for the primary uh, origins that GCA has standard contracts for, um, you know, where you can see physical uh, and, you know, cup defect descriptions and how they're essentially regarded as it relates to grades. But, um, you know, the big question here, I guess, uh, in in um, closing the loop is, you know, why would we be talking about defects in specialty coffee? Um, you know, on our side of the business, yeah, it's... Well, they exist. It's our job yeah. to essentially separate and differentiate coffee based on specialty potential, right? And the greatest potential for that separation is by cup uh, and beyond that by uh, by physical. But, um, you know, I, I guess I would be curious to hear from you, Mark, how much of the burden for making this type of, you know determination, separation, differentiation, really today in, in the current market is falling to the roaster uh, and how much of that is happening, you know, upstream with with operations like ours or, you know, from uh, uh, operations mm-hmm. for that export and mill uh, on the origin side or, or on the farm level.
2: Well, I think in my opinion, each step of the process that can evaluate coffees lessens the likelihood down the chain so if you're cupping a lot at the mill level uh, you're going to spot it if you're cupping at our level we're going to catch it before it gets to the customer that's why i think it's been such an adamant push by the uh, specialty coffee association as well as others to get people trained, to get people to understand this, because it is, it can literally save your
0: business. Yeah. Serious stuff. Certainly scary defects. Uh, Mark coming, scary, coming to the end of our scary defects episode. I got to say it's, it's bittersweet. I mean, there's, I'm not, I'm not quite in tears yet, but, uh, you know, this being the end of our season, uh, you know, I do want to mention to our listeners who've, who've stayed with us here, we're not going to go anywhere. We'll be around during our hiatus. We have some shorts that we're calling extra shots that we're going to be arranging uh, some really good content there. Uh, There may even be a a full bonus episode. Um, So Certainly a ta-
2: did I hear like a live tour somewhere that we were gonna be whisked around the world to, to, to I
0: can't confirm or deny that at one but point? yeah the the world tour. I think
2: our agents are in contract negotiations on that one. Most but, uh, certainly. You may see us in your Yeah, town.
0: if you do have interest in uh in promoting the show, uh you can reach out to the exchange at olamnet uh dot com. That's the exchange at olamnet dot com. But but certainly, don't uh, don't uh, go uh, looking elsewhere. We're excited to bring uh, some bonus content through the off season. We're going to be coming back um, with season two beginning in May, and we ha- already have right. uh, what is a really stacked agenda uh, for the new year ahead. So, uh, if you have thoughts, feedback, if you want to, you know, tell Mark what you think of all his, uh, you know, uh, holiday, uh, <laughs> Halloween, holiday movie recommendations.
2: Or or thank me for them. Yeah, that's also.
0: <laughs> You're most welcome. That's also to get a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, Mark, well done. This has been a blast. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in. Um, yeah. And, uh, and and we would be remiss not to uh, you know give a the s- most sincere uh, praise and thanks we can to our producer, Mr. Mike Ferguson, for uh, just yes. absolutely crushing and making uh, season one of the Exchange. Really uh, a great success and an an enjoyable time, um, you know, even for us, right? (laughs) Well, it makes us
2: sound like we know what we're doing, which is a very difficult thing to My God,
0: I'm so grateful. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, Mark, great time uh, talking about Scary Defects. Thank you to everyone who has uh, turned up for the episode. We will most certainly be back. But uh, for Olam Specialty Coffee and The Exchange, it has been Todd Mackey and mark inman have a good night
2: have a good halloween
1: everyone you've been listening to the final episode of season one for the exchange presented by Om specialty coffee And also, our Halloween episode on Scary Defects. Our podcast is hosted by Mark Inman and Todd Mackey and directed by Mike Ferguson. Our opening theme was Coffee Breath by Keith Munslow. Our closing theme, Coffee Shop Called Nightmare by Yatutso. All music is used under Creative Commons. Also, used under Creative Commons in this episode are Halloween sounds. Attribution for specific sounds can be found with this episode on SoundCloud or on our blog at olumspecialtycoffee.com. Remember you can email us at any time at the exchange at olumnet.com. We'll be back for season two in May, but in the meantime, stay tuned for some special presentations during the break. On behalf of Mark, Todd and everyone at Olam who helps with or supports this podcast, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time on the Exchange presented by, say it with me, Olam Specialty Coffee.